0: You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash Film School. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his new documentary, Earth Days, our guest today... Director Robert Stone traces the origins of the modern environmental movement through the eyes of nine Americans who propelled the movement from its beginnings in the 1950s to its moment of triumph in the 1970s with the original Earth Day and to its status as a major political force in America. Stone is a multi-award-winning Oscar-nominated and Emmy-nominated documentary filmmaker. His 2004 film, Guerrilla, The Taking of Patty Hearst, went on to become one of the most highly acclaimed theatrical documentaries of the year. Robert Stone, welcome to Film School. Thanks for having me. Uh, how are you today?
1: I'm um, very well. How are you? Uh, uh,
0: real good. Sorry for all the uh, confusion and, and long time to get contacted with you there to link the phone up, but it sounds like we're in contact now. Yes, we are. Uh, yeah. so, so tell me, what, what brought you to this film? What, what point in your life were you when you made this film, and, and why now?
1: Um, well, there's, you know, there's never one uh, there was never one reason why one makes a film. It's usually a whole bunch of things come together. Um, I mean, the environment's been a, a major issue in my life since uh, I was 11 years old and uh, experienced the first Earth Day in 1970. That was a turning point. I think anybody who was alive at the time and experienced that, um, that was sort of an aha moment for everybody. Um and uh, as I got older, I've got kids now, and sort of explaining to them about you know, the environment and how we got to where we are. I realized that there's really there's no books, there's no movies, there's nothing has been done about how we arrived at this point. The environmental movement's always looking forward, and doesn't have a tendency to look back. So I thought this was a really important story to tell, to uh, put all of this other stuff that we're
0: getting bombarded with every day into some sort of broader context. Now, you put together a a great uh, group of interviewees, uh, n- nine of them. Were there some that you, uh, before we get into that, uh, were there some that you left out? Did you have a longer list and sure. do some editing? Yeah,
1: there's always people who end up on the cutting room floor, and it, it, it's not necessarily whether they were a good interviewee. I mean, one of them is uh, one of the guys who ended up on the cutting room floor is a Nobel Prize winner. So. Oh, um, Who is know, that? It, if it's, a... it's the, I, I don't want to say. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but that's just the process of, of what happens. You interview people, and, and, and then you find uh, a way to integrate them together as a, as a whole.
0: Now, now, uh, were they pretty much easy to get in contact with, like Stuart Udall and Dennis Hayes, Stuart Brand? Were these people that were uh, open to the idea and were very receptive, or was, were they? Oh,
1: sure. Well, yeah. this is—they've all dedicated their life to this, so yeah. they were definitely receptive. Uh, some of them were harder to get a hold of than others. Uh, you know, uh, Stuart Udall was a little harder because he doesn't have email. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, he's uh, kind of a guy that might not. But, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 So. Uh, but uh, No, that wasn't really the difficulty. But uh, um, I wanted narrowing them down, finding, deciding who to choose. That was that was a longer
2: process. I want to compli- uh, compliment you and the film um, on the uh, archival footage you were able to uh, get a hold of. That had to be a big part of this process for you.
1: Well, that was huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was. Uh, I mean, when I when I make a film like this, I, I try to just gather up everything that's out there that's but all related to the subject at hand, and I watch it at high speed over the course of months.
2: Yeah, and you know, then- I, I mean, I, I, I watch a lot of video, I watch a lot of TV, and there was a lot of video footage here, a lot of footage you had that I had never seen before. And what, what, what's uh, so that was, it was great to see. You really do see the uh, embryonic stages of the environmental movement. And I want to compliment you as well for concentrating uh, part of the film on Rachel Carson. And the impact that yeah, well, Rachel
1: Carson was a really pivotal figure. Who uh, She's sort of the transformative um, person between the, the conservation movement that came before, which was really concerned about preserving wilderness areas, and the environmental movement that emerged in the 1960s that was really more concerned with the overall impact of, of man on, on, the, on the Earth's ecosystem. And her book, Silent Spring, that came out in, yeah. in 1962, which was largely about... Um, Overuse of pesticides, particularly DDT, really got people to thinking about our impact on the entire ecosystem. And the main thing that you know people came away with is that the DDT, uh, which I hope everybody knows what that is, yes, 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 <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a chemical pesticide, right. is, yeah. is now found in the the fat cells of every living thing on the planet. What's it's interesting? It's widespread. It's, it's what's it's in us. It's in our. It's in our. Yes. Than
2: our fat cells. That's amazing. I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't know that before uh, the film. But it. it uh, what's interesting about all of this is um, how we went from. Well, even to, I was just going to say, even today, people make fun of the idea that we've gotten rid of DDT, which which is mind boggling to me. And also, it's not banned around the world. You can still buy DDT if, unless uh-huh. it's changed recently.
1: Well is actually. I mean, you know, the DDT is actually very effective in controlling malaria if it's used in you know localized areas, like you spray your, the walls of your house or something like that, or your tent if you're in a, 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 an area with with uh, with uh, malarial mosquitoes. But uh, it was sprayed um, just all, after World War II it was just sprayed all over the world to to eradicate insects, and it just got into it just got into the food system and uh, uh, the reason it's called, the book was called Silent Spring is it was uh, causing the shells of a great many birds to become soft. They had no hardness to them, and the, 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 the birds were dying off. Hmm. We almost lost the American bald the eagle to the DDT. Yes.
0: I remember at one point in the film, it was Stuart Udall who, uh, after putting together the list of endangered species, species, I think it was him, that said the number one on the list was the bald eagle, if I'm yeah, be yeah and that, hill, really,
1: right? that really got people's attention when oh. our national symbol was becoming an endangered
0: species. Yes, so. yes. Now, uh, you were speaking about Stuart Udall, he played a, a huge role in this only because of his relationship with uh, John Kennedy, who you do show at the, at the beginning of the mm-hmm. film, too, making uh, political statements regarding the, the environment. It, did uh, Udall share any insights into Kennedy and what was going on in that administration as far as moving the environment forward? Uh, you know, well, know
1: Kennedy, uh, Udall brought um, Rachel Carson's book *Silent Spring* to Kennedy's attention. Yeah. Um, Kennedy was an avid reader; I'm sure he would have found it anyway. Yeah. But um, and and and, uh, as shown in the film, Rachel Carson was was vilified by the chemical industry. He tried to you know make her out to be a, not knowing what she was talking about. She was a woman. She was a hysterical. She didn't know anything. And and Kennedy read her book, and um, uh, uh, set up a scientific panel to review her findings, which concluded that her findings were actually correct, and he he publicly supported her, and that that really um, put an end to um, the debate surrounding her book and and did a great deal to launch the environmental
2: movement. It's funny, today, that that, that same scenario could play out, where if there was a a book, a particularly uh, important book, about the environment today, and Barack Obama were to say... Uh, we don't, you know. I agree with what the the, the and the, with the, what's what was said in the book. That wouldn't end the uh, the assault on that on that author or on that book today. I don't think. I well, think
1: it, no, no. Well, look, it didn't it didn't end it, but it it it, it quieted it down, and yeah. and and the book went on to become a huge international bestseller. There's still people who take issue with uh, Silent Spring, and you know, I'm sure people could find you know bits and pieces in there just to to attack, but the overall message is sound, and I think
2: it stood the test of time. want to go back to what you brought up, which is this idea that we went from a conservation Movement uh, the idea of in, in our consciousness of preserving the national forest and the rest of it to the idea of the impact that we were beginning to have and it came at a critical time Paul Ehrlich's in the film talking about the population bomb and the effect of mass increases in population around the world, so we were really beginning to have an impact as as a species on the planet uh and uh the the timing of all this seemed to it seemed to coalesce at just this point in our history didn't it
1: yeah, well, I mean, it's a really a remarkable thing that all of these various forces came together at the same time. You had, you had the, a, a student movement that had become very politically astute in, in organizing around the protest of the Vietnam War, so they were very politically organized. You had a, a counterculture that was rejecting and questioning the dominant values of society, including the whole, you know, some basic underlying premises of capitalism. Um, and you had the, the pollution in this country was very visceral and visible for all to see with the, our lakes and our rivers all dying and pollution in our major cities so bad that in 1966, on Thanksgiving Day, 400 people in New York died of air pollution. Yes. Same thing was going on in Los Angeles. So all these things were happening, and, and as, r- 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 miraculously, the, the astronauts went up into space and took those remarkable photographs of the Earth Yes. Um, sitting in the blackness of space. Uh, and that uh, these, these, uh, it took all of those things to come together at the same time to really launch um, the movement and, and create a political movement um, that all happened around the time of Earth Day in 1970.
0: Well, and it does seem, and you point this out in the film, remarkable that these people who brought Earth Day together are, a- are actually getting attention. I mean, it was the confluence of all these events. That, that, yes. that brought uh, a media attention to them. Uh, it, it's just amazing. And it didn't
1: have to happen that way. Oh, I mean, no. it could have if if the if the if the astronauts, for instance, had not gone into space and taken those pictures until you know 1980, you know, it might not have happened.
0: Yes. Um,
1: it happened because a whole bunch of things came together at the same time.
0: Yeah, quite remarkable. Now, now, did you have a? This is a silly question, but do you have a favorite? Since you were there at the first Earth Day and you've created this film. Is there a particular point in this film that you feel closest to?
1: Well, I think the the moment for me that that I think brings it all together is when uh, that our astronaut, Rusty Schweikert, is up in space, uh-huh. and um, due to a, a technical glitch, I believe he's the only astronaut ever to float in space untethered yeah. um, for five minutes in total radio silence. And he had kind of a revelation about life and his place in, in, in the chain of life, which I think put the whole thing in perspective. And he says, far more eloquently, I'm going to paraphrase what he says, but he, he basically says that for the entire course of life on this planet, the, the, the Earth, Mother Earth, has nurtured life and nurtured us mm-hmm. and provided, you know, a place for us to live and grow and live out our lives. And now, because of the, he, man's impact on the planet, is so great that it's now our turn to nurture the earth, and that's almost an uh, evolutionary leap that we've taken. It's a it's a huge change uh-huh. in our whole relationship to the planet. Yes, that happened in you know happened in my lifetime, and that to me is is really the the, the sort of summing up of, of why I made this film and what it's about. And he mm-hmm. says he puts it. He says the child has now become, the child now sees its mother.
2: Yes. How, How how. How is America done in terms of our, in terms of the environment and environmental law, and and doing what you're just talking? Yeah, given but, where we were, giving, yeah, I guess the trajectory pardon. of where we were going in nineteen, the seventies, <laughs> seventy six, and and all that. Where where are we now in terms, sort of, uh, if you were going to grade the United States? Yeah.
1: Uh, well, that's a great question. I mean, we did we did you know one of the things that people forget is is it remarkable. Uh, accomplishments were made in terms of cleaning up the environment in the early 70s, really, you know, coming out of Earth Day. We passed the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, the Endangered Species Act. The EPA was set up, the Environmental Protection Agency was set up to enforce all those laws. And, um, you know, as bad as the air gets in major cities in this country, people aren't dying from air pollution anymore. Are you know, I I live right on the Hudson River, and I take my kids swimming in the river. That was impossible when I was a kid. Mm It was unthinkable. So uh, the the American bald eagle is off the endangered species uh, list. Uh, So remarkable progress was made, and and we were actually also moving towards uh, sustainable energy uh, with uh, windmills uh, using nuclear power. Wind power and solar power uh, under Jimmy Carter. There's a plan to to really make that a major force in America by by the year 2000. And all of that was, came to an end um, when Ronald Reagan came yeah. into office, who really sort of set the clock back and decided not to enforce these environmental laws and and rolled the clock back on our on our sustainable energy program.
2: Was that Stephanie uh, Mills? Mills, yeah, that's it. Who said We're, we set us back 30 years? Yeah.
1: Uh, that is Hunter Lovins. yeah yeah that's generally accepted yeah yeah that, and I,
2: I, I, I couldn't agree more, I think I don't get me started on the Reagan administration because I just think it was beyond awful and
0: disastrous for for uh, where we were headed, it just kind of uh, yeah took us off on a whole different tack and and I do believe that thirty years is about right, yeah. Although I, I have to say and I, and I compliment you for it again another compliment that that this isn't a a divisive documentary at all no. it, it it handles that but we have we really do at this point in time have to move beyond looking back at the Reagan administration and, and be upset that the you know that the solar right. panels were taken off the White House roof and and the tax credits were taken away <laughs> although it's still even annoying <laughs> well I think one it. of the
1: things I want one of the things I wanted to Pointed out is that if you look back at the environmental movement, it wasn't a politically divisive thing. Uh In fact, the the conservation movement came out of the Republican Party, Teddy Roosevelt and all that. And it it, it was uh, the the early laws that did so much for the environment were completely bipartisan. And one of the major people in my film is uh, Congressman Pete McCloskey Mm -hmm. from Northern California, near you guys. Um, who was a major figure in the Republican Party, and he wrote the Endangered Species Act. He was the co-chair of the first Earth Day. Uh, it became a politically divisive um, issue that in the mid to late 70s, uh, the United States Office of Business uh, Regulation of Industry, which was necessary at the time, but rather than engaging industry in the way that's being done now and, 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 and uh, encouraging them, to, to showing them the way that they can make more money by going green, um, it they there was a there was a backlash that developed yeah. uh, against the regulator, the regulatory approach to to solving environmental well, problems.
2: I think there was an impatience. and
1: it became it just got caught up in the culture wars that, yeah. that, that that sort of paralyzed this country for for thirty years on a lot of issues, not just the... the environment, everything.
2: So. Right, I was going to say a lot of issues. It was it was an impatience. Yeah, healthcare.
1: I mean, look at healthcare. It's right. the same thing. Right. Right. Uh,
2: Well, and and I just real quick, we, we, the United States is doing, there's some positive and there's not some, some not so positive things. The world seems to be awakening. Certainly um, the Kyoto agreements and things like that seem to Mm -hmm. indicate to me that the world is prepared to move forward and really be a shepherd of the environment. Uh, And I'm, I hope, I'm certain that, hopeful anyway, that we will eventually sign some of these agreements and start moving forward. What do you think the rest? Have? I also
1: too. I mean, the, the, one of the things that the, I think the film points out is the environmental movement was born in this country. Yeah. It, it grew out of the, the, yeah. this country's unique history. Yeah. And um, but you're right. Now, now the rest of the world is leading the charge, and we're kind of lagging behind. But hopefully, that's going to change.
2: And just just as you pointed out, if if the United States is able to begin to develop these these uh, technologies for conserving energy and for for uh, clean energy, we can again reclaim our our position in the world as one of the leading in- economies in the world. And uh, yep, so
1: was well, as seen as shown in the film in 1967. General Motors had developed an electric car that was uh, really that yes. does as well as the Chevy Volt now. Uh, all that electric cars, hydro hy- hydrogen fuel cell cars. Solar power, wind power, all of that was developed in the United States.
0: That Um, looked looked like a Corvair to me. It looked like they just. uh, It was a
1: Corvair, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it was called the Electroveyor.
0: Is that what it was called? I didn't
2: know that. Okay, yeah, that. that's yeah. terrific. Well, this is a wonderful. one. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, not li- not like the uh, the uh, EV e- e- ones that yeah. they that they basically mashed up after yeah. well, after the release. That's Leases another, yeah. Well, yeah, that's another forty
1: story. years. This is forty years ahead of the EV oh, one. Yeah. I know. I know.
2: Well, this is a terrific film. Uh, my compliments to you, Robert Stone, on this. It uh, it's a great document of the environmental movement from the beginning and and even up till today. That montage you have of all oh. the presidents talking. About the importance of the environment and environmental law uh, is uh, it really does frame this well and uh, continued good uh, success with this and all your other projects.
1: Thank you very much.
0: To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews or subscribe to our podcast. Visit our website at KUCI. Dot org slash film school.